And we're back, Strike Show Podcast. On a Thursday, I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. I got my um, my PG Tour hat on. You can see there. We're ready to go. The tour's back. They're in Hawaii. I'm not. But I am in Florida, and it's 72 degrees. I like to remind my listeners that it's 72 in Florida because I know right. I'm getting pictures from all over the country. And my goodness, the snow is coming down. So allow us to step in and, uh, well, take your mind off the snow and let it venture into golf. We're going to entertain you. We're going to educate you because I've, I've brought in one of the top teachers in the game who has two guys in the field this week in Hawaii, who the last time we saw them play together, Jason Kokrak and Kevin Na, they won in sunny Southern Florida, down in Naples, uh, the QBE, and Drew Stackle joins me now. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is going to be fun. I, you know, you jumped on after Jason um, won at the end of last year. It was his, what, third win in 15 months. I mean, the guy's just on an absolute tear. He extends his putter one inch. He gets this right. little sling and draw going under control, and the guy is like, it's amazing. I mean, it's is there truth to you, you win one and then all of a sudden like the monkey's off your back and it's like, man, I can do this. Confidence goes through the roof. And here he is now two wins later. He's got a total of three. Is that what happened? It, it was for him. I mean, he just, I knew once he got through and kind of broke through his confidence, you know, it, people can tell you what it's going to feel like and all that stuff. And obviously I've never won on the PGA tour or even come close to anything than that. But he told me once he did it, he was going to have the confidence that, I know how to get this done. I'm going to find a way to get it done. I believe in my game. I know I can close. Yeah. And you got to get some things to go your way. I mean, it's just tough to win on the PGA tour. It's tough. It should be tough to win at just about anything. If you're competing and you're really pushing yourself, you should be losing, right? I mean, there should be failure involved for you to be able to grow. And when you're pushing yourself, certainly at the PGA tour level, Exactly. Well, there's, there's, no, there's no room for error. No, because every guy is so good and every part is detailed and there's, you know, everybody's got this and a performance coach and a swing coach and a short game coach and a putting specialist and a mental coach and a, you know, someone doing nutrition and workouts and, you know, yeah. the, it, it's a fine line. And, and like we talked about on the last podcast, sometimes it's like, how do you declutter all of that information at some point and say, Hey, let's tee it up on the first hole and minimize our thoughts and let's not overanalyze our game. And let's just go point A, point B, hit it here, hit it here, go see what we shoot. Yeah. We're going to get to Jason Kokrak's swing here in a second. You also work with Kevin Na, who's in the field this week. He's in the field because he won the Sony. He's the defending champ next week. Um, so we're going to, we're going to talk about Kevin Na. We're actually, this is going to be a real special kind of strike show podcast exclusive, although we're going to share this with everybody is part of my new membership. We're going to be doing a lot more of this stuff. X's and O's, coach speak, and just really breaking down just how these guys go about their craft and get the ball flight that they're looking for. I'm really fascinated with both these guys because they're unique and different in their own way. Obviously, Kokrak plays a game that is kind of long off the tee, yeah. um, solid iron player, and has become really, let's face it, one of the best putters in the world right now. I mean, he is. He is, yes rolling the ball at yes. an elite level. And then you go Kevin Knott, who yeah. doesn't overpower anything, but he's right. run five times. Mm-hmm. People who follow the podcast know that I think Kevin Knott is one of the most impressive players 
in the sport because what he gives up off the tee, great iron yep. player and yep. one of the best short game players in the world. So we're going to, we're going to look at both their swings and then we got some really cool video of Kevin Na that, that drew provided of him hitting little short game shots. Which that is, is cool is, to watch. It's, it's fun to watch him chip. Yeah. Like yeah. it's, you just watch them around the greens and you can learn so much. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's get right after here. So I'm going to, I'm going to bring in um, Mr. Kokrak swing here. And I, I still can't believe that this video was taken with an iPhone of, of Drew. I mean, it's just like absolutely perfect. This is at the CJ cup, right? This was CJ cup uh, yeah. Tuesday or Wednesday program something. Yep. Yeah. I think that's and, number two, three. I want to tee up here, Drew, with 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 Jason to start with, because you and I have talked about Jason's swing before, and Jason has to see the ball. And correct me if I'm wrong. He he wants to see the ball start right and draw left every single time. And when it's not doing that, yeah, then he knows there's something wrong with his swing. Right? He doesn't want to see the ball go straight. He doesn't want to see the ball fade. He wants to see it start right and draw. So when it's not starting right and drawing. I heard him say, I have a checklist that Drew and I put together. I right. want to start there with the checklist. So we start with his alignment, because if he starts aiming right, then he'll start trying to pull it. And then as soon as he pulls it as a shallower of the club, he starts blocking it. And then he just starts hitting it right. And then everything, you know, he starts hitting push cuts because he's under the plane, you know. So he may feel like he's steep, but he's not. He's just he's just aiming right, pushing it right. So We'll, we'll go through kind of his head movement, the backswing, a little bit of his leg work. And the good thing with, um, you know, Jason, he's such an athletic raw guy that I don't think he gets credit for being as athletic as he is. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy can, you know, he could dunk a basketball. He can, you know, the guy is, uh, he's six, four, and he's a strong, big Cleveland, Ohio, Ohio guy. And, you know, his hand-eye coordination is very good if you see him do any other sports. So, he is very, very talented at feeling his pattern and refining it without, without really getting too overly technical of like, well, P3.5, my left arm's, you know, not inside the baseline enough or anything like that. So he's not one of those guys where he wants to look at video every day and go, if he's sending me video, I know he needs, he needs me to talk to him that day. Like if I'm getting a video, we're going, I'm like, uh, like Houston, I'm like, this is the most I've ever gotten in video of him ever. In, in like five years. So, right. Cause in Houston, he was like early in the week, he was talking about how bad he was hitting it. We were, I, mean, I was on the, I was on the phone with him during this practice round and his caddy D Rob hmm. basically talking him through every shot in a practice round on a Tuesday, kind of going, um, try this field, do this field. Let's go back to this, check your right hip, make sure you're not getting, you know, a little slidey off of it or whatever you're doing. And, um, you know, his checklist is when he drives it good, uh, it's, it's obviously he's going to gain strokes T to green. And now he's such a good putter. And he's like last year's iron play probably wasn't as good as the year before, but the year before, I think he made it to East Lake and he was like second approach to the green for the year. So his iron game was phenomenal. Yeah. So his, so, so the, the swing checklist, so the alignment yep. first and then yep. so, where does he go from there? So we'll work on his takeaway. He always likes to feel it outside his hands on the takeaway. He doesn't like to get it, you know, quote unquote, inside a P2. He's not going to be parallel to his hand line right there. He's going to have that outside move mm-hmm. with the club head. And if you notice, his thumb comes off the shaft. <laughs> right. So And it's always done that. 
Always. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And he's always done that. And then um, as soon as he kind of gets that feel of where the club is there, mm-hmm. he's going to, he, he likes to feel like he loads kind of into his right heel and he sits into it more quote unquote. He, he's not a big rotator guy back. He, he definitely straightens his right leg some amount. Um, but he likes to feel the pressure and where the pressure goes in his backswing. Let me ask you this, Drew, when you, so, so the pressure into the right heel and the straightening of the right knee, is that, has he always done that? Or is that something he's developed? He, he used to do it a lot. So he actually okay. used to almost lock his right leg. So okay. he used to almost straighten it too much as a kid. Um, so he would, he would actually consciously kind of do the opposite of what everybody's doing is, is trying to, to keep it. So it doesn't straighten too much sometimes, right? Because he'll load into that thing like Sam Snead hip ankles. Like if you look at his pelvis, um, he can get very, he can get very steep pelvis and steep shoulders from, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and he'll get two vertical, you know, the pelvis and the shoulders will get very, you know, left shoulder will get down a lot and all that stuff. So he's kind of different in the fact that he likes to not overextend and rotate his hips a ton because he, as as a kid, he used to rotate. He probably was John Daly you know, pass parallel long across mm-hmm. had a huge shallowing move coming down. So with backswing wise, he hates, you know, he's got these certain feels that work for him mm-hmm. um, and we'll measure them and we'll, you know, body track or whatever, we'll just keep an eye on it. But he's not, he's not overly technical of like, I have to have this movement to be perfect. So he, so, so the second checkpoint is the, is to make sure the club head is, is indeed staying a little bit out in front of him. Yeah. In, in, in the initial backswing and not getting in behind him. And, and for those that listen to the podcast, they, they, they know that like, okay, I've heard that a million times. Like don't, it's a death move for so many. I, I always say, look, you can count on one hand, how many men and women do this for a living that get the club head in behind the hands early. Like exactly. You just, you just don't see it. And they get, and they get tons of face rotation and they roll their forearms and then the yeah. face is open. And then, you know, it's hard, you know, from going from there to there, you're trying to shallow the club. Well, the club doesn't want to, you know, the center of mass doesn't want to shallow from there. It right. wants to actually come the other way. Right. So right. he, he's, he's, it's a good model for people that are learning to try to hit draws. Right. Um, to learn where the club is going to fall in the downswing or how mm-hmm. it's supposed to fall. So after, so once he, he feels good with that, yeah. then, then where does the checklist go? So then we'll kind of work on, you know, quote unquote, his early extension. If his pelvis, he's got a lot of linear movement of slide. So he'll, he does slide his hips and his knees will want to work lateral without mm-hmm. a lot of rotation. So that will throw a lot of tilt of his upper access to the right. Mm-hmm. And then when he gets a lot of side bend kind of later in his downswing, his right arm kind of has nowhere to go except really out to the right. So he'll get too much path. And the right arm kind of gets jammed behind him because his side bend is kicking in. And then the ball is just going to be a push cut and he can't find a way to get his arms to actually go kind of around the corner, so to speak. So we'll work a lot on like, you know, he's going to extend his pelvis and he extends his pelvis. He's not one of those guys that sits into a wall and, and keeps his butt underneath him. And like Sergio does or someone like that. He's not, he's flying got, open through impact. No. And he's not a big rotator, you know, like he doesn't, he doesn't like the feeling of a lot of rotation from the top. He's not a guy that likes to open his chest and shoulders and, Mm -hmm. and feel because then he feels the club heads working out and it, 
is pole feeling. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the, you know, it feels like ball starts left, goes left kind of feel. Right. So he's got to make sure he has that drop kind of like Rory's doing, you know, and Rory does obviously where he lays that club down and his hands are pretty, pretty far inside mm-hmm. coming down mid downswing. Yeah. Inside meaning like his. So when you look at Jason's swing right there, like his hands are, you know, kind of in line with the armpit, his, his hands are not going out per se as the cool. shaft shallows, like the shaft is laying down there in the right form, but his hands are, you know, kind of back in behind the, the chest area there. Correct. Which then from there to your point, because of that move, now he doesn't want to get that pelvis driving out. He wants to be able to just turn and or maintain some of that and let the club turn the corner back around. And that's when he hits that nice little draw. Exactly. And, and, you know, he's one of those guys, um, you know, you see a lot of guys rehearse like swing left, swing left, kind of back in the day, whatever mm-hmm. it was, 10, just swing left, swing left, swing left. You're two under it. You're two under it. It's like, well, once people got track, man, they're like, well, you, you want to hit a driver kind of up and out on it. Right. Because mm-hmm. that's kind of get optimal launch and spin. Right. I don't want to mm-hmm. hit down on my driver. I don't want to swing left with my driver. I'm not going to pull cut my driver. Right. Um, so he's one of those guys, uh, you know, he wants to feel clubs always working inside out, always working inside out. It's never going to be, you know, outside his hands coming down. He never wants right. to feel that club head tipping steeper at all. So for our audience, if, if this club head right here gets in behind his hands early, okay, too much, or if he, and even if he just senses some of that, then it, the reverse, the effect of that is then coming down. Jason may feel like, it is a little steep coming down because it was a little behind him going back. So exactly with the club head out in front of him. Now he can feel it kind of work back behind him And just that dynamic. When he's like in tune with that, it probably just feels like he can just turn and hit it. Like it's, it is just, as I call it operation baby draw, like it's just over and over and over again. But that inside takeaway is a death move. And that's why it's so high in your list after the alignment. And yes. the other thing I noticed, and I want to ask you this here is with Jason, like his grip's fairly strong in the left hand. It is. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's fairly strong. He's not weak to neutral, like a John Rom type grip. He's, he's pretty strong grip. So with that strong grip. Okay. And, and then you look at the top of the swing and for those that, again, I want to, What's cool about this is we can tie in, we can hopefully kind of bridge the gap a little bit on some matchups and different ways to do things, because I think that word is thrown around. So I use matched up. Well, what the hell does that mean? You know, like, right. Yeah. What is, what is, what is matched up? And I, and I think when you hear one of the words you hear a lot is flexion in the lead wrist where, okay, coming down, let's put some flexion in the lead wrist, kind of all up. Dustin Johnson, John Rom, like there's a lot yep. of examples of that. Jason yep. isn't. Jason has a stronger grip. And then in transition, you'll notice he probably takes on a fair amount of extension. Would you say right there than than most? Absolutely. Yep. And but he but the shaft is still laying down. Yep. Back behind him. Yep. Exactly. He doesn't have to have you know, the shaft pitched by feeling his wrist angles, you know, kind of go ulnar deviate, uncock and do like a Justin Thomas where he's kind of ulnar deviating and he's flexing 
to show it because his arms aren't as high and he doesn't have to feel that he doesn't have to do any of that. Um, and nor would I ever change that with a guy at his level. It's like, mm. you know, a, a good concept I thought about is, you know, with people I teach is, you know, before you send me a swing, tell me the shot you're trying to hit. So, you know, when you want to match up, what's the matchup, you know, a matchup needs to match. Well, what do you, what is your natural pattern? Do you want to draw it? Do you want to fade it? Do you want to hit low pull cuts? You know, do you want to go this direction, this direction, this direction, then we can figure out an ideal system for your pattern. Yeah, no, exactly. And I, and I think when you look at the matchup here of the grip, strong, a little more extension, lead risk, shaft still pitch. This player, let's say in comparison, Drew, to let's say the more neutral, flexed lead risk coming down, shaft pitched. This player probably will have a little more side bend to the right absolutely through the impact zone. And now I say that because, you know, I mean, Jason, again, he's not a player that's flying open. He's a player that has sufficient rotation through the zone and has to have enough for the club to turn the corner. Correct. But is playing at an elite level, strong grip, little extension, shaft pitch down, and not flying open, which is a pattern that is used a lot and I think it's a good pattern for, you know, some of these listeners that are listening. Like, yeah, that's kind of me. And, I, and that's kind of what I'm doing in drawing the ball. It's a way, another way to go about it. And here, and here you have it at an extremely high level. And I think you said something that's really important. There ain't no way in hell you're changing that grip wrist angle combination. You just can't, you know, like that's <laughs> Okay. You want to take a year off, and that's, you know, all right, let's not play for a year. Like I've worked with other players and, you know, some of them have had, you know, laid off open, you know, all this kind of stuff. And you don't reinvent the wheel with these guys. They're, they're, their pattern is obviously they're the 1% of the 1% and they're very talented. So you have to be careful for this. And like, what's the common man going to, you know, like for your listeners and people like that, uh, that are just, Hey, I want to go out and break 80. I want to shoot 85. I want to work on my golf swing. Well, your body may not move like Adam Scott. And I promise you it doesn't. So if you want to see somebody with their chest this open and they have no hip slide, none of this, well, look at, look at, you know, Colin's body or look at Adam Scott's body. I mean, they, they are training their body, they're limited. They, you know, you got to know what their body and anatomy can do. And you know, we can come up with a model of, of, can we try to do this? You could film yourself all day, but that doesn't mean on the first hole, you're going to go play well. <laughs> right. I mean, right. Yeah. You, you know, people just yeah. want to, well, I want to hit my driver high, far and somewhat in play. And I want to hit, hit, you know, my irons well or whatever it is. So yeah. instead of getting caught up in a golf swing and, you know, a theory of a video you saw online from somebody coming up with something, well, it's like going to a doctor and getting somebody to, you know, prescribe you medication that you're sick and they don't even know what you're doing. You're just texting it and you go on WebMD and go, okay, well, I have these symptoms, so I have this. Right. Well, no, you need to have a personalized touch of your pattern in your lesson. So the checklist. So we don't want to aim too far right. We want to make sure that the, the club head is a little out in front of the hands here. And then from there, we feel the, the club head now back behind the hands in transition. Yep. And then and from man- there. Manage the upper body tilts, right? He's got to, you know, how, if he gets really, really underneath it, 
he knows his upper chest and his hips have gone really, you know, his hips have slid way too far in front of him and his head and his chest, you know, he can't recover from, you know, feeling like his head's going to release and he's going to get on top of it and open his shoulders from there, you know? Mm-hmm. So he's got to manage, okay, I'm not trying to feel a lot of opening pieces, rotation pieces, but I also don't want to go way behind it and get my path. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like this one here did a good job of it. looks like it's starting pretty good and then has a little bit of a draw to it. Yeah. It is a good pattern. I, you know, it's, this is, I'm going to put, and uh, for those listening on audio, you can check it out on YouTube as well. And you can look at these, these swings that we're looking at Jason Kokrak driver swing from down the line, uh, working with his coach, Drew Steckel and, and the checklist that Jason has talked about a great deal that he goes through to hit his draw. All right, let's transition here to Kevin Nana. Completely different body type, different speed, different swing. Also likes to draw. Before I bring in Kevin's swing, though, mm-hmm. give the audience, describe to us Kevin Nana. Because to me, I've never met Kevin. Um, seems like just like a feisty bulldog confident like he's gonna you know he's gonna wrestle you to the ground and like he's gonna okay go ahead and get up and then as you try to get up like he he grabs your leg and pulls you back down like you know what I'm saying? Like oh just... yeah yeah <laughs> when he when he turns it on like that's what i would say about kevin he couldn't be a nicer you know he's a great guy and he's very thoughtful and he's very you know a great person but when he gets on the golf course he's got a chip on his shoulder and he is like He'll hit the button and go, I'm going to, there's no way I'm losing or I'm, I'm going to top five this week, or I'm going to, he'll set his mind to something. And it's like, I'm hitting it awful, but I'm going to find a way to finish 20th. Like there's weeks, uh, you know, we'll go to like BMW at Caves Valley. He's like, if I top 20, it's an amazing week. I know this golf course doesn't set up well for my tee shot. Uh, It's long, it's wet. I'm hitting it, you know, this far and I'm hitting hybrid in and this guy's hitting six iron in. So Mm -hmm. But when he gets his mind made up on something and he gets going, it's just like, okay, all right, you're yeah. gonna, you're gonna go, you're on your way. Seventeenth at BMW. Yeah, which is for him on that golf course was like a top five, or yeah. you know, I mean, what and that, which is incredible. It was a Bombers golf course, you know. It, it was, mm-hmm. it was the Brysons, the you know, and Patrick Cantley hits it far. I mean, there's not really guys that hit it very short out there anymore. I would say no. Yeah. What a so, second yeah. at John Deere, 23rd at St. Jude, second at Wyndham, eighth at the trust, 17th at BMW, third at the tour championship. Yeah. And Eastlake was a good one for him because he's always kind of struggled at the end of the year at Eastlake and Eastlake. I've always thought Eastlake set up for his game. I thought Eastlake, if it's firm and fast at Eastlake, I've always thought, I think this is a great ballpark for you. I think you're going to go out there. It's, it's, a position golf course, fairways are tight. You got to judge Bermuda lies, jumpers, the chipping's hard, the greens are fast. So, you know, you kind of figure out ways to, you know, I don't know why you don't like this course, but why, you know, like maybe we should, let's, let's try to trick your mind into liking it now. And then let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He won the Sony last year and, you know, he's, you know, Kevin for the most part is going to lose probably some strokes off the, off the tee. Yep. You know, he's not, he's not overpowering. Of course, he's giving up a lot of distance. Like you said, he's hitting an hybrid versus a seven iron, but you know, he was 5.7 strokes in approach, uh positive 2.6 short game, positive 3.3 putting. I mean, he's going to, 
he's going to win you in the iron game and then he's going to collect you with great wedge play and putting and and he was able to get that done at the Sony holding off I believe Finau, right? Uh Brendan Steele. Brendan exactly. Steele. Brendan Steele had the lead by two I think on Sunday oh, and Neiman. And Neiman and they were yeah. both charging and then Kevin right. I think Kevin I know he birdied, obviously he birdied nine, and then I think he parred 10. He had a good shot in on 11. I think he birdied 12. And then as soon as he kind of hit that tee shot on a couple of them, he he kind of knew, and we talked about it after the round, after he won, kind of when he knew, all right, I've got, you know, all right, mm-hmm. I feel I feel in control of this situation now. 21 under, he won. That's right, Chris Kirk kept his card that week, too. He, he yes, shot he did. 65. Yeah. Um, him and Neiman finished at 20 under. All right, let's bring in... Kevin Noss swing. All right. So here's a guy that likes to draw it. Just yeah. set the stage for us here when we look at Noss on, you know, some of the things that you're working on with him. So he will get kind of like the opposite of what we talked about with Kokrak. He'll get a little inside on the takeaway. So we'll work on that takeaway. He'll actually over rotate early. So he'll have a ton of rotation really early in his right out of the gate of his backswing. And then the club gets really far behind him. And then the club will actually get kind of laid off ish. So he'll try to feel it a little, the shaft pitch a little vertical and a little more across um, and get depth. So he's got to be pretty careful as far as getting rounded and really turned by right about there. You know, if his shoulders are already turning, you know, 30, 40 degrees at some point mid backswing. Uh, you know, it, it's hard for him to feel where the club It's already too far deep and too far behind him. So he's so, trying to feel it down the line longer and okay. then get it depth. Right. So the club is out, out in front and then, and then the turn it's like out, yeah. then around. Yeah. It's a good and sequence he, for most. It really is. It, it is. And he feels, you know, club head kind of work first ish. Mm-hmm. And then, then he'll start feeling like he has a ton of rotation mid backswing instead of instantly. So I want him to have some rotation left to not let his arms get out of control with the sequencing of his downswing. So I want him to feel like he's got a later turn versus an early turn in his backswing. Love that. Is there any up to the club hit or is it just out? He's not really a bunch of radial or a lot of vertical hinging. He's not really a, a, a guy that loads his wrist early. So he's like, you know, not a Ryan Moore, a Matt Wolf, one of those guys who gets a lot of standing up in the shaft early. So, you know, I don't want him to feel like he's, you know, hinging the club really early and, and changing kind of that pattern of the years of hitting balls doing something. Right. So we'll right. make sure, you know, I, I'll put a stick down and we'll try to make sure he doesn't get inside of it, but it's not, it's by no means extreme trying to go straight up in the air and his hands as high as he can. So you, so that club at the top, you know, pointing here, let me, let me replay that one more time. Hold on here a sec. Um, just to kind of, I love what you were saying there with the kind of club head first. Yeah. So it's like, all right, club head out and then the turn and the shaft right, him right here. He's going to get it a little more vertical there. Vertical. He's got to get, he'll, he'll have a tendency to get a lot of forearm rotation from there. Then that club kind of gets more laid off with the shaft pitch and then he'll get steep coming down. So he's got to feel his elbow actually go the other way a little bit and get a little spacing the opposite of what people are trying to pinch their elbows. He tries to, to make sure the elbow position doesn't have 
he's not trying to tuck his elbow against his rib cage there. And that's a speed thing too for him. It is. It he is. Can't and sacrifice that. No, and he's going as long as he can and turning as much as he can. There's and, nothing. And there's he's turning everything. There's nothing held back as far as ground <laughs> react. I mean, he this yeah. this guy is he's yeah. going after it, right? Pretty uh, describe his grip relative to Jason's. He's a little weaker than Jason, but he still turns his left hand probably a little more, obviously more than a Colin or John or one of those guys. It's pretty, it's pretty turned and he does not have much flexion in his lead wrist. You know, he's not going to bow that thing at the top because when he feels like he's, he's really bowed with his wrist this way, he feels a ton of laid off pieces to it. And, Mm -hmm. And when he feels the club laid off, he feels like he steepens the shaft the other way. Mm. Yeah, at the top. Yeah, right. Right. Yep. Yeah. But he's not pulling down, right? Just because, you know, this is one of the things, and even with Jason, like just because you see extension here in the lead wrist, right? Like, doesn't mean you're pulling down. No. No. And and there's back behind him there once again. Yep. Yep. And again, Kevin, although, you know, his hips are, what would you say they're rotated by his 45, maybe? Maybe. Yeah. And he's yeah. not a big, I mean, he can open. And then if he feels a lot of opening early, he feels super wipey blocky, mm-hmm. like pull cuts. And it's just down and across on a driver and he toes it. So if he feels like, you know, like co-crack, it's, he's never going to open that early. He's actually trying to get his hands out with the club falling down. So he's like hands out club head behind him instead of trying to steepen it the other way where he gets his hands vertical coming down to the club tips the other way. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to that real quick on what you were saying there. So, cause that would be, and then I want to ask you about his neck tilt, what he's doing right there. Yeah. Um, so right here, he feels more so than Jason. I'm here. His hands are going more like out in front of him here. Yeah. And you'll right. notice relative to Jason earlier in the podcast, like you can see Kevin's hands are definitely more on front of his chest. Absolutely. Yep. Versus and Jason's were coming straight down, but the club shaft still pitched back behind. Yep. Um, and then from there, that's where you'll start to notice his neck tilts and his neck tilts start. A lot of the neck tilt problems will start in his backswing where he starts getting, you know, kind of the, the left, the left heavy, you know, Mm-hmm. neck tilt where he starts leaning left or you know he starts tilting left early he's the first thing he's going to do is go backwards you know mm-hmm. he'll 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 do that move and his he'll look at the club kind of like the old school nicholas way right mm-hmm. but then he'll he'll do the opposite and he'll start going the other way and back him out of it so you want him to keep his eyes pretty level there then i do i try to hold his head and his ears to make sure his eyes don't trace kind of right. And then okay. the left ear gets lower than the right ear and it throws in that tilt with his upper body left. Mm-hmm. So he'll kind of get left and he'll be leaning left with his chest at the top of his backswing. And he's trying to hit it up in the air as far as he can. So of course he's going to try to go as far right as he can. And then it's kind of hard to time that. That's good stuff. Yeah. I mean, just neck tilts and how, they play into this right now. If, if, if you're a player conversely who turns and kind of moves excessively the other way off the ball, you yeah. know, then you may consider a little more of what Kevin's doing there to help get you more on that inclination of, you know, right side higher than the left and all those things. But yeah, you can really see that with Kevin. Now that you point that out, it's always something that 
you know, watching Kevin hit balls and you can really see it here. Like, okay, keeping the eyes level. Yeah. Um, club heads out in front. Now the full turn really gets the shaft, you know, pitched nicely. And then from there he can, if, if things are good going back for Kevin and, and then, you know, this shaft pretty much probably going to take care of itself coming down. Like if the neck tilts are good, you, you feel like he can just kind of unrestricted, just kind of open up and hit it then at that point. Well, and then he's not trying to feel like he's has so much, you know, you know, quote unquote, keeping his chest down or, you know, keeping his chest opening or whatever, mm -hmm. because if he, if he feels really open at the transition, because he's doing his neck tilts and releasing his neck tilts kind of from, from top of backswing to transition, his left arm gets too far out towards the ball. And then he's going to go, he's going to go steep early and then shallow at late. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then he's going to get underneath and then he's going to hit a big block. So mm -hmm. he can't, he can't just open his chest and feel like his chest goes straight open from, from P4 to P5. So to right. speak. Right. He's, okay. he's definitely trying to stay down and keep his left shoulder down. But he, as soon as he opens up, his left arm comes out too much towards the ball and toward mm -hmm. the baseline. And then it's hard for him to recover from there. So, you can, those are the, so those are some of the differences and idiosyncrasies of Kevin versus Jason, you know, just kind of talking through that and how that works in transition there versus, you know, versus there coming down with Jason. All right. We can't, can't talk Kevin now without looking at this. Let's look at this. Yeah. That's you think I, I want, I did a show one time with um, golf channel years ago. They had that, that golf channel Academy show at the end, you know, where you would with players and, and I got assigned to host it with Mark Calcavecchia. This is probably like seven years ago. And I went down to his course and we got to this little area. It just, it looks exactly like this and it was wet and there was no grass. I mean, it was like, I'm looking at, Oh, like, wow. I'm like, okay, if I got to do yeah. a show for golf channel. I'm not hitting right here. No, you know, <laughs> this, yeah. Like this is going to be dangerous. This is going to make me look. Yeah. Give me and he's like, no, we're good. We're just doing it right here. I'm like, okay. So yep. here we did the show. He, he hit probably, I don't know, 30, 40 shots. And I swear to you, Drew, at the end, you look down, you would even tell that a ball was hit off the grass. He was just clipping it. Just, just perfect. And he's no, I mean, I've seen, I remember watching him. I think it was Tampa probably eight or nine years ago. He played with Jason Gore when I was working with, when Gore was playing and I watched him hit these pitches. And this was, I think he was still like, he was champion sword. And I watched this guy pitch and I was like, good. Hands. Wow. Unbelievable hands. He was hitting these spinners from like 30 yards from like rough lies and all this stuff. And I go, this is incredible. Oh, he's got great hands. I mean, it just like when I watched this, I was like, yeah, and this just took me right to that that point of him hitting these little finesse shots off of basically no grass, super wet. I mean, just lead. I mean, if I would have done it, I would have, you know, leading edge would have got caught at least five or six times right. from behind. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he never missed it. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're sitting there like, I'm going to probably chunk half of the shots oh. here. I'm, then you hit a knife and then you're like, oh, okay, now my confidence <laughs> is gone. Take us through what we're looking at here. Like what, what is the sauce here that we're watching? That is Kevin not because this dude is so damn good around the greens. Yeah, he's incredible. So you'll watch his takeaway there. It's inside, right? So he's kind of inside and around and I, I'll give myself bad camera work on this one, but uh, camera angles a little right. I don't like that, but um, 
if I was perfectly on his hand line, he's his stance lines open. He's, mm-hmm. he's fairly relaxed. He's not doing anything crazy with the setup, but you'll see when he gets in into the uphill grain or anything like that. And these aren't grainy shots. This is obviously perfect grass. Um, he gets kind of in and around mm-hmm. and he almost hits like a, a, a drawing scoopy released draw with the bounce. Just, he just slides the club underneath it every time. And it just comes off spin and he can, he can hit it high. He can hit it low. He can do whatever he wants with it from there. Mm-hmm. There's the release. You can see the club head. It is like a draw. Like you can see it kind of releasing down the line. Look at the face looking to the left. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you this real quick. Cause I just noticed this when he is that right hand weaker. It is. He gets it more on top when he chips. Mm-hmm. He does. He gets his right hand on top. And I think he's just subconsciously done it his whole life. I don't mm-hmm. think he even realizes you know, what he does because he's so good at it. And he's worked so hard as a kid when he worked on this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But you'll see him in the bunker and he'll, he'll do the fill stuff where he's drawing bunker shots and hitting these yeah. things and he'll hit, you know, like I, I, I was talking about with somebody is, is his trajectory control is so good. And you know, on the PGA tour, everybody wants to hit this low spinner that hits mm-hmm. once releases two feet. And it's like, well, go to Riviera and go to the 10th hole and try to hit that shot when that green is a rock and you're not going to hold a green if you can't hit it high. So Kevin is so good at not having to rely on perfect spin, perfect contact, creating a bunch of friction. He can launch it up in the air and just get it to come down exactly, you know, the trajectory he wants to, and it doesn't get shoot and land and run on a green. So when we're, so his right hand, so he, he's, he's aiming his feet left. Yep. He is, let me um, hold on a second here. He's aiming his feet left. His shoulders are pretty square. His right hand is weaker on top. Yep. And then that club face that address a little open. And then he's kind of just letting the club head come in, but the toe you'll notice is pointing more up to the sky. Um, Oh, I should have had it there. Hold on a second here. This, I should have slowed yeah. this video down a little bit, but you'll see it right here. So that toe, yeah. the toe's yeah. pointing up to the sky more so halfway back than it was in the full swing. Absolutely. And and he's consciously not worrying about his hands going outside down the line. He's letting his forearms be, have no tension, yeah. basically. You can, you can kind of see how soft his arms and his hands are. Yeah. yeah. And it allows the face to swing a little more and his right elbow is super soft. So it folds his elbow and then it gets, it gets locked and gets the face. Then, then he can go through and he, and he just kind of lets the club fall and it, it goes into a straight line and he's letting that club pass his hands and releasing his chest and head as he does it. And boom, he's done. He doesn't have to worry about anything else. He's the just handle hasn't moved much going back. No, it doesn't move. He doesn't have a real wide arc. Yeah. Um, it's not, you know, it's very different than a Jason Day style technique where it's right. very it's completely opposite. Very long, wide arc. Um, it's very, very short arc. And he'll fold his arms and recock his wrists on his finish and kind of bend his elbows there. So you'll see his elbows fold up mm-hmm. when he finishes and he's and he's pointing the club and pulling the grip straight up back towards his his body there mm-hmm. to get loft. Yeah. And then you'll see his chest and head release on this, right? So he's definitely moving his chest and head. Um, so he doesn't obviously hit behind it if he has any tilts or anything backwards. So you gotta, you gotta have your hands, like you gotta be able to use your hands. Like sometimes I think 
saying like taking your hands out of it. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, on some shots, like I think passive hands and yeah, I, I think there's some value to that, but I think you have to have some feel and sensitivity of your hands of what Kevin is doing there of, of controlling that club head coming in a little in the face open and then the, the and then the passing of the club head and the sensitivity and the weight of that and where it is in space. Like that awareness is what makes it so good. So well, that that's, and that's like other sports. It's like, you know, why are other athletes so good at golf or, yeah. or, or that athletic, right? They're, their hand-eye coordination is so good, whether they're a hockey player or a baseball player or whatever it is, they know exactly where and what they're feeling with their hands. They're not, you know, shooting a puck, not knowing what their hands are doing through the, through the shot. They will know where the, where the puck right. is and when they're shooting and releasing their hand. It's the same thing in golf. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, good hands. Like you think about good hands. Kevin Nall's got good hands. Mark calcavecchi has got good hands. Tiger has good hands. Phil's got good hands. What does that mean? Well, I think they can good hands. They can, they can vary face shaft dynamics. Um, they know where that is in space and what that means to trajectory in spin. Well, exactly. And be able to vary it like right here in the sensitivity of that. And, and that's the thing back to kind of the full swing stuff is I am very cautious of like, if I get a guy and I'm trying to get him like DJ's wrist angles and Boa's wrist, what is that going to do to his 30 yard pitch? You know, if you're a, a shut face guy and you reverse roll the face shut, it's going to be difficult to hit it off Bermuda on a 20 yard pitch to a upslope. You know, it, it, you're, you're going to have all leading edge going back to it. So I'm not going to sacrifice somebody's short game just for the sake of looking like they have a perfect wrist angle at the top. Yeah. You know, it's you very, know what's, you know, what's crazy. You know, what's crazy is that like, and what's so impressive about Kevin now with this shot and this takes practice. This takes confidence. This takes trust. Um, Victor Hovland is learning to a lot and to a large degree how to do this right now. Yeah, to, and Jeff utilizes hands. Yeah, and there's and, yeah, and, and Jeff is really yeah, and Jeff has really I mean done a good job with it because you watched Mayakoba and you know he dumped one chip, but I think that's when Jeff came along with him and and Jeff you know has sure. really helped him kind of get an understanding of a pattern for a short game. Like yeah. this is why your swing's good, but this is why your 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 short game may lack you know yeah efficiency. So look where that you got it is. <laughs> Yeah, you just see it like this. Yeah, that's awesome. And what I was going to say with Kevin though is that, and this is what I respect the most about Kevin and and the bulldog, the competitor that he is. This could be the seventy second hole, and he needs to get this down, up and down for the win. And it can be sitting into the grain, wet, bad conditions, and he will hit the shot. He will hit the shot that it calls for. He will not default, trap it, leading edge. No. He will hit the shot. And that and that may sound like, hey, every tour player would do that. No, they wouldn't. No, they're, they're going to hit it to 10 feet and take their – they're going to say, oh, if I get it inside – if I hit it to 10 feet, I'll take my look. Yeah. Kevin's trying to hit it to, to like two two inches. You know, he, Kevin's sometimes – Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. trying to make it. I mean, when you get him on with his short game, and he did that at Shriners when he won um, in the playoff against Cantway. He, he mm -hmm. kind of hit his – he blocked his iron right of that green, and Shriners is notoriously a hard-chipping week because it's dormant and, you know, it's kind of thin grass, you know, dirt soft and, and Kevin gets in there and he's, you know, got a 40, 30 yard pitch or something like that. He was pretty far right of the green. 
gets up there, hits it to two feet and then gets in a playoff. And I'm like, under those circumstances, knowing you might just have blown a tournament and you have to make this up and down to get into a tournament because you're trying to make it. That shows you what you got inside. Yeah. And he did it at a shark shootout when, when Billy chipped in the hole, uh, they were in the group behind him and Billy did the same shot, but Billy hit like a eight iron or something. Um, Kevin had this chip into the grain and, and Kokrak talked to me about, uh, them playing together. And he goes, yeah, he had some of these shots. Like I put him in these spots and he's got a 40 yard bunker shot with no green to work with. And, and he's talking to his caddy and he goes, it's going to be three feet. And Kevin will get in there and just hit this shot. And they're like, okay, that's, yeah. that's going to work. You know, what's crazy as we finish up here back to Kokrak, if Kokrak had a, if, if, you know, cause obviously every player has their opportunity for Kevin. It's like, yeah, I'd like to have 20 more yards of distance. Kokrak, it's probably more short game. Like I'd like to have a piece of Kevin Noss, like short game. The reality of Kokrak is, is if he, if Kevin Kokrak had Noss short game, he'd win a major. Oh, no question. Because you're not going to hit that many greens and you're not going to yeah. be, you know, you can't go out there and ball straight. I mean, obviously if you're playing four days of perfect golf at a U.S. open, sure. But you're going to have one nine hole stretch or something where gauging the lie or you're gauging this and this and yeah. that. And it's it's hard to chip at those majors when, when the greens are fast and firm and you're in, you know, three, you know, the roughs two feet and this and ball sitting down. And it's interesting because Kokrak's really good out of, uh, you know, bent, thick, bent. Cause he grew up with that. Yep. Mm -hmm. He's very good on that kind of like vertical steep, you know, where you can get down and get vertical and try to hit down on it more. You know, he's not a Florida guy, Bermuda guy, and he didn't grow up with it. He's done a good job of kind of figuring a way around it. Like even in Houston, uh, this year, it was like, well, I tried putter three wood. I've tried every club in my bag around the green and it was all hard. Um, so I'm just not going to miss a green this week. And that's kind of <laughs> how he did it. You know, like that's kind of where he was at. Cause he's like, this is the hardest place to chip I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Um, but you know, he's improving on it and he's gaining confidence with it. And he's not, he's not getting overly technical over his short game anymore. As far as like, oh boy, I'm going to look like an idiot when I hit this shot. You know, I just don't want to screw up. I don't want to screw up. It's like, well, you have good hands, Jason. Your technique probably isn't Kevin's, but then again, Kevin's driver is not your driver. Right, right. Good stuff, man. We could go for hours, um, but this is this is phenomenal here. I think, well, if you're watching this on YouTube or listening to it and you're not digging some of this stuff, this is... Uh, this is really good X's and O's on how these guys go about their craft. And it's, I get some pushback at times where it's like, well, you know, I can't, I can't swing it like so-and-so no. and so-and-so like, no, we don't have that kind of skill, but I'm pretty sure exactly. that we can talk about grip. We can talk about the club head is in space. We can get the club here coming down. Like, right. you know, when you want, when you look at a Coke rack pattern, like that's a very, I think, relatable pattern. When it you, is. It's, more common a majority of golfers can learn something from, from how he swings a golf club and his feels uh, right. and what his model is versus, you know, Sergio Garcia. It's like, right. uh, you're just not going to do that. No. You know, you're not, or, or, or even John Rom. I mean, John's pattern is very unique with his grip and, you know, it's very unique. It would take somebody a long time to strengthen that left wrist. I mean, their lead wrist would have to be strong to hold it because when you're trying to flex it, you feel it in the in the front of your hand. So, you know, are you going to do dumbbell reverse dumbbell 
forearm rotation was and strengthen that lead hand to to get that pattern, you know? Right. And you don't, and I think at the end of the day, like you don't have to fly open. No, nope, you, you, like you, you, you gotta have enough opening. Enough. Yep. And it's all about what the shot you want to hit. You know, right. if you want to draw it, you, you want to see a ball start right and draw. Sure. Yeah. Perfect. Well, obviously you don't want a 15 yard push draw because you really can't play to a right pin unless you're aiming at 15 yards right of a green, but you know, you can hit a five yard draw and, and Kokrak did that at colonial on the back, right pin on the part three. Yeah. yeah. And, and, the, and the commentators were like, Whoa, this yeah. guy challenges. Then I go, he's not going to aim in the middle of the green and cut it in there. Trust me. <laughs> he's going to start it over the water and it's going to draw back. And he made it from the fringe from like 15 feet. The pin he struggled was that mm. pin on 16 and it's back right pin, but you know, you're going to give and take, you know, he's, he's not going to feather one in there and hit a low, you know, low cut that falls 10 yards. Right. It's just not in his DNA. Yeah. Good stuff, Drew, man. Really appreciate it. Joining me on the podcast. I know uh, you've got a, a lesson coming up here, but this was outstanding. I hope the audience enjoyed it. And um, we'll be watching your boys this weekend and into uh, into the year. And we'll, we'll do it again here. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I love Doug Gim's story. Um, yeah. You know, great ball striker. This is going to be year two for him on tour. Uh, I think it'd be fun to come back and, and, and look at Doug's swing too as well. And I think that would be a great guy to do during the players because he, yeah. you know, he, he gave it a run at the players last yeah, year. Yeah, right. Course. Yeah, good point. Yeah, let's do yeah. that. That would be really yeah. fun. So that would be awesome. Well, thank, yeah. thank you again for having me. I always enjoy it. Yeah, man. Appreciate it, Drew. All right. Thanks, Travis.